Hello, hello, hello. We are so thrilled that you are joining us today. My name is Jennifer Pryor, and I get the honor of being your host for today's worship service. Wherever you are, whether you are in your living room, somehow out in RV, in your car maybe even, I hope you have pulled over. We are just so glad that you are here, and we are brought together. We are unified. We are united by our great and mighty God. Amen. I have a Bible app on my phone that really is a blessing for me, and I get these daily verse notifications, and it's been interesting because the verses that have been uh, sent out starting Monday and then into yesterday all seem to have a common theme, or both rather have a common theme. The first one, Mondays, from John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then yesterday's verse, Philippians 1, 9 through 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We are to be united in love, a voice of love. Amen. Let's join together with our worship team as we bring our hearts before the Lord in song. Welcome. Would you please join us as we sing the praises of our Lord? It is out of a place of life that we have, we have the ability to sing and praise the Lord. So let's sing together today.
trust the sweetest frame but holy trust in
amen and amen. We wanna be able to help you connect with each other and with the church during this worship service and beyond. If you are new especially to us, we want you to notice at the bottom of the screen, there is a QR code. All you need to do is take your phone with your camera and hold it up, just hover it over that QR code, and supposedly, magically, a form will pop up that you can fill out uh, just giving us some of your basic information, you will be contacted by someone from our Start Here team who would love to be able to get you connected and help out with anything that we possibly can. Also, for the whole congregation at large, um, down underneath the screen, and if you're in full screen mode, you might have to pop out of it, but underneath the screen, there are some buttons there. There are, There's a link to the sermon notes. There are. Uh, there's a place for you to be able to input prayer requests, a link to our giving, as well as a link to the entire sermon series. Uh, we would love to be able to continue to connect with you even beyond this uh, worship time together. Please, please, please visit us at our church website. It is trinityonline.org, and you will be able to see all of the different events that we have planned, yes, in a virtual platform, but planned throughout the week for you. I would love for you to please join me in prayer. We have so much to praise God for and so much to pray for. Join me in prayer. God, I just thank you so much for how much you truly are doing. It is so easy to focus on the bad news, but God, we want to focus on the good news. We want to focus on the people who are being healed, who are getting better for the small and large victories happening uh, in our local community. God, I pray for our educators. I pray for our first responders. I pray for all of the essential workers who are still putting themselves at risk to be able to provide those necessary essential services, and I pray for those who are at home, um, not deemed by their works as essential, and yet, as you know, so deeply, deeply essential within our own houses and, and, uh, and homes. God, I pray for our Trinity Church family. I pray for Pastor Todd. I pray that you would speak through him, that you would be, uh, that you would just use him as as your guide to your word. We love you, God. And I pray protection over all of the pastoral staff here for all of the daily operations. God, there is so much, and everybody is learning so much, and we just want to be effective for you, Lord. So God, may we not be doing this on our own power, but God, would you just rest your Holy Spirit on everybody involved here at this church and in all of the churches worldwide. And God, we do want to continue to pray for our global workers, our global community. Uh, specifically this week, God, we praise you uh, for Jonathan and Tracy Shoemaker in Portugal. God, we are so thankful that they are specifically and strategically placed there by you. We praise you for the health victories that they are seeing, that Portugal seems to be over the top of the peak of this uh, COVID-19. God, we praise you for that, and we pray uh, just wisdom and safety uh, in our world. God, we rejoice with Jonathan, too, as he has just been able to turn in his master's dissertation, reaching Generation Z in Portugal with the gospel. God, we thank you that you know. God, I just pray great strength and courage and bravery for Jonathan and his family as they continue to reach out 
use this dissertation, God. God, we love you. I just pray that you would speak mightily and open our hearts to hear your word. We love you and pray these things in your powerful, powerful name. Amen. Trinity Church, it is so great to be with you today. I wanna to thank Jen for hosting and doing such a great job. Jen was actually sharing with you at the top of the service some of the things we're gonna be talking about today related to the idea, if you've seen the sermon title today, Love One Another Deeply. So that's where we're going. You're joining us in a series called A People Prepared. And we're looking through the book of 1 Peter together, talking about how God wants to deploy his people into the lives of those who are uncertain, fearful, anxious. And I can't think of a better thing for the people of Trinity Church than to be those people for such a time as this. So if you have a Bible today, you can get it out to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you already saw, Jen mentioned the notes button below on your screen. If you want to either pull those up digitally or have those um, available uh, to print and, and fill in, that'd be great too. But we're so glad that you're here with us today, this 19th of April, and we're looking forward to diving into God's Word, bringing encouragement, bringing instruction, and preparing you, equipping you to be a people who are rooted in Jesus as you're reaching your world. We started every week with a yay God moment, and I have a great yay God for you. It's exciting, and it's really all about you as a church family. You have been giving in such a sense of obedience and generosity. It is actually just mind-blowing for me to tell you this statistic. Our giving is up 10% over the last five weeks, over that same period of time a year ago. No pandemic in 2019, but here in 2020, you are continuing to give and to give in such an incredible way. That is yay, God. So thank you for that obedience, that generosity. And like we've been sharing with you, as you give to Trinity, you're giving through Trinity because we're using those resources in our community as well. And we're so grateful for that. One of the things I want to tell you about is Scott Clayton, who is our business administrator, has been working hard literally months ago and got us to the point just a couple weeks ago where we signed a contract with a new platform for our whole online giving process, a company we really love called PushPay. And I want to show you how easy it is to begin using PushPay. I want you to take out your cell phone. If you're watching on your cell phone, that's going to be challenging. But for the rest of us, I want you to go to your texting. And what I want you to do is I want you to do a new text. I'm going to put this up on the screen so you can see it. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to, at the top, I want you to type in this number, 77977. And as you type that in, down in the message section, I want you to type in this word, Trinity Redlands. Trinity Redlands. And what I want to show you just in this brief moment is what it looks like when you do that. I've typed that in, I've sent it, and in just a moment, I'm going to get back this text that's going to tell me basically now this is what you do related to um, push pay. And so we, we're excited about what's going on uh, with that ability. If you are new uh, to giving online, this is how you would begin. And if you're someone who's been giving online and you want to be able to have that opportunity 
um, to be able to switch those platforms. We've been using a different platform all along, and maybe your gift is just on a cycle. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be shifting over to push pay only. And so we would encourage you go on our church website, and when you click on that button, giving, you're going to see these new options that are available. It is so simple, so quick, so easy. I just want to encourage you. This is a great way that we can be um, continuing to support what God's doing here at Trinity locally and around the world. Another thing we want to let you know about is we are doing for the very first time what we call quarterly giving statements. And so rather than waiting to the end of a calendar year, we're going to be doing those every quarter of the year with just a note of encouragement as well as just an understanding of where your giving at Trinity Church is at at this point of the year so far. So we're excited for those things. I'm grateful for our business department who's just been working hard to generate those. You'll be getting those in the next couple of weeks by the end of the month. And we're grateful for just keeping you aware of what's going on on those fronts. Well, let me do this. Let me catch you up to where we're at and where we're going in this series. We're looking at 1 Peter, written by one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the disciple named Peter. And in it, he's writing to the scattered exiles who live in what we call now modern-day Turkey. And within that, where his letter began as he was talking about just encouraging them and causing them to praise God for the fact that they have been rebirthed, they've been made new in this living hope, and this living hope is going to ultimately be realized in an inheritance around the throne of God as one of God's kids forever. And in the meantime, what they're called to do is live by a genuine, proven faith, and in that faith also to imitate their father who is holy and calls them to be holy. We defined that term to live a life that is set apart for a purpose. And we pick it up today, and what we're going to see is we're going to see a shift in focus away from the idea of Peter calling them to hope and calling them to holiness. Now he's going to call them to harmony. And he's going to start talking about what does it mean to love one another well, as a lot of this gaze has been raised vertically towards the Father, now it's going to go out horizontally towards one another, brothers and sisters in the family of God. So here's our now what statement and where we're going today in this passage. It says this, love others deeply now, now that you've been reborn through God's word and are growing up in him. Love one another now. Love each other deeply now that you've been reborn through God's word and are growing up in him. So we're excited. Let's look at point number one today as we dive in. Number one in your notes, God's word reveals how you're loved so you can love others. God's word reveals how you're loved so you can love others. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're in verse 22. We've been doing this every week. You've done a great job. Read it aloud with me, out loud with me. Here we go. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Now, as we look at this passage today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to see how rich and how essential the Word of God is in helping us become 
the people of God. And you're gonna see this all throughout this passage today is how important it is that the word of God is something that is changing us, transforming us from the inside out. It begins with an allusion to what we looked at a couple weeks ago, Peter's call to uh, his readers to be a holy people as the Father is holy. And it says that now that they have set themselves aside for a purpose, they've sanctified themselves. This is what they're supposed to do. It's an active verb that he's calling upon them to engage. So what we saw a couple weeks ago, God is the God who sanctifies, but then we see this beautiful part of a relationship, of a partnership, he calls us to something as well. If he's the God who makes us holy, he's also saying, and you as a people, you begin to do holy. You begin to be a people who act and live in such a way that demonstrate that you've been set apart for a purpose. And what we see is that by obeying the truth, what that looks like in their lives, it develops this purpose statement so that they can show each other a sincere love. Peter directs them out of this kind of love. He says that out of that kind of love they have sincerely for one another, now he actually gives them an imperative verb. He gives them a directive, love one another deeply from the heart. I'd want you to hear this today. It's hard for us in our English Bibles to see, but what Peter's readers would have understood in the first century is he just switched two different words for the word love. He begins by saying, now that you have this kind of brotherly, it's that word Philadelphia, you have this brotherly kind of love, and that, that love is really talking about a strong friendship, a really intense connection, an intimacy between friends. Now that you have that kind of love, and, and we think about, remember who Peter's writing to are these exiles, these people who are suffering for their faith, and though we're not suffering for our faith in Christ at this time, we're suffering. There's varying degrees of all kinds of challenges, uncertainties, and even trials that the people of Trinity Church are dealing with right now. And we know that when those things happen, we know that that actually causes us to have a unique camaraderie with the other people that we know are going through the same things. So just by looking at one another and maybe interacting via the phone or a Zoom conversation, you have that look in your eyes just like I do. It's really challenging still finding those unicorn items at Costco. You know what it's like to have to go around and wearing a mask now everywhere outside, and that's just a tension. You know that you are concerned about people in your relational world who have tested positive for COVID-19. These are all things that we have in common, and as a result, they create a kind of camaraderie that we have. But Peter says that camaraderie actually is just the foundation for a deeper love, a more significant love that the Greeks call this word agape. Now, you might have seen at the recent Super Bowl a couple of months ago an ad that came out uh, by a life insurance company. I just remember being floored as I was watching the ads that day about this ad that so clearly spoke to the power of agape love. Take a look at this clip. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge, the kind you have for a grandparent or a brother. Third, there's eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, I love you. The fourth kind of love is different. It's the most admirable. 
It's called agape. Love has an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, strength. For 175 years, we've been helping people act on their love so they can look back or look ahead and say, we got it right. We did good. Now, don't get hung up on the idea that it's selling life insurance one way or the other, but man, what a powerful use of $5 million to be able to communicate to the biggest stage on the, on the, in the world of what the definition of agape love, the kind of love that God has for us. What did that commercial get right? It talked about the fact that this is an active love. This is the kind of love that actually has motion. It, it has some sort of sense of demonstration. It's not merely felt, it's shown. And how is it shown? It's shown in selfless sacrifice, in courage, in strength. You heard some of those descriptors and the images really said it all. And that's what I'd want you to know, the kind of love that Peter calls upon, his readers calls upon us to demonstrate towards one another is not a kind of love that ends with how you feel. It just begins there. It ends with action. Take a look at this in your notes. You can see this on the screen. It says this, agape love is like God's love that it's selfless, giving, and overtly expressed so that the recipient is highly aware that they are being loved as their needs are being met. The recipient is highly aware that they're being loved as their needs are being met. What I would want you to know today, I would hate for you to walk away thinking that the kind of love that Peter is calling his readers to is simply a love that you can feel but never express. Contrary, Peter says, this is the kind of love that you will know. Listen, look at these examples of the kind of love that we're seeing. We're seeing people in our medical community, even from Trinity Church, who serve on the front lines of meeting the needs of those who are sick. I think of our first responders who are taking ambulances to facilities, to, to our homes, to bring them to hospitals. All of those things, these are people that are living with selfless, sacrificial love, agape love, expecting nothing in return. And I think of even as we've been talking about our yay God uh, stories and examples over the last few weeks have had that same tone, how we can love with action those in our community, those in our neighborhood. And it's been so exciting to share. But I want to help you with something today. I want to actually target your focus today to the group that I think that you need to be reminded of needs love maybe now more than ever the people that you're sheltering in place with, your family. You see, a couple of weeks ago when things began, a lot of us kind of took that deep breath and said, okay, this is gonna be different, this is gonna be challenging, and you jumped to it and, and you were cooking and you were cleaning and you were fixing and you were mending and you were teaching and doing all those things that required a lot of selflessness, a lot of sacrifice. But that was what the first couple of weeks are like. Man, these last few weeks, it's getting hard. It's getting old. And one of the biggest reasons why is the people that you've been serving with that kind of selflessness, they're now starting to expect it. They're now starting to say, you know what? That's just kind of what life is like now. And you're going, man, a little bit of gratitude would be nice. I love this sentence I've heard so many times. Everyone is glad to serve or be a servant until they're made to feel like one. 
And isn't that the truth? Some of us in homes right now, maybe moms especially, you are feeling it. And you're like, Todd, really? That's what you want me to do is give more selfless, sacrificial love. And here's what I want you to hear today. The reason why you can is because that's how God's loved you. The reason why you can is because that's what you've learned about in the word of God. You've seen a God who loves you this way, and now you have the ability to give that back. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a look at your notes. You have a space in your notes that simply says this, how you're going to demonstrate agape love today. Here's what I want you to do in this space. We've just left it blank. I want you to write down a name and a person, and I want you to write down not what you could do, I want you to write down what you will do. Let me give you an example. For me, on my list today, for Aaliyah, I'm gonna be reading some of her final papers before she submits them to just give her some good critique. For Kendi, I'm gonna do her turn of the dishes. For Ellie, we're gonna go outside and we're gonna do some outside uh, athletic fitness to be able to accomplish some of her PE credits. And for Joanna, I'm gonna clean up my workspace because she likes a tidy house. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what's going on my list today in a way that I can show selfless, sacrificial, giving, meeting needs kind of love in my home with the people that I'm doing life with. That's what I want you to do today. I want you to have that kind of posture and I want you to be able to uh, show that in a really powerful way. Concerning the Bible today, and this, like we said, was a thread we'll see all the way through it. Here's the first of three things that we see today. The Bible, the Word of God has life. The Word of God has life. I'll, I'll expand on this idea, but we see it here. God is the one who awakens you to who he is, how much he loves you, and you knew that from the word of God. Number two today in our notes, God's word can give you new life because it's alive and enduring. God's word has the ability to give you new life because it's alive and enduring. Let's look at the next part of our passage today, verses 23 through 25. Read them aloud with me. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So Peter, as he's talking to his audience, as he's really making some huge reminders to them of the idea that what they have received in the active, living, enduring word of God has put into their life a type of seed. It's actually the Greek word for what you would consider that which gives life, puts life into something else. And so within this concept of this seed, it's not with a perishable seed, but an imperishable one. It reminds me in John chapter three, when Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders of the day, and Nicodemus was so confused as Jesus was talking about the requirement that he must be born again. And in that, Nicodemus said, so am I supposed to go back inside my mother? I mean, what, what craziness are you talking about? And Jesus said these words, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so what Jesus went on to say is that it's the Spirit of God that brings new life. 
And, and it does so, it transforms us, it actually quickens us, makes us alive. And as a result, then when we have the Word of God, we're able to see that awakenedness be met with a true, imperishable seed that begins to take root, begins to transform us. So here are those two realities. It's the Spirit of God that does a work to awaken us, to quicken us, and then when it is met with the Word of God, then transformation begins to happen. I want you to think of how it happened to you. I want you to think back to the uh, situations and circumstances that led up to you putting your faith in Jesus, you responding to the invitation to let his death on the cross cover your sin and to be adopted into the family of God. When you go back, I want you to think, was it the words of a parent? Was it the words of a coach? Was it the words of a friend? Maybe, maybe you actually just literally were so driven to want to know God, you just got a Bible for yourself and you were reading through the Bible and, and if it wasn't verbatim what these people in your life were telling you, it was the same truth that was in the word of God. And what was going on was just like Jesus said in John 3, the Spirit of God was doing a work, wakening the dead. And then when that was met with the truth of God's word, transformation happened. Life began. You became a child of God. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to contrast that with what has been also sown into your life, what I would call today seeds of death. And here's what I mean by that. When was the time when maybe for the first time you were introduced to someone and, and you would realize later on, man, that friendship, that group of friendships led me to incredibly destructive behaviors. Maybe it was the time you were told some sort of a statement that really came across like fact, but as you put your stock in it later on, you found it was a total falsehood. Not only did you feel a fool, but you lost big because you put so much on that. Maybe it was just an idea that had been planted in your mind that you just thought maybe as a life philosophy was true, and, but as you start testing it out, as you put it into the mix, you realized it was completely a lie. Those seeds of death that have been planted into your life, man, they have also taken root. And they've led to the death of some things. They've led to the death of innocence. They've led to the death of trust. They've led to the death of, of confidence. And so within that, I would say to you today, sometimes the easiest way to understand what something is is to look at what it is not. Contrast that with the living, enduring word of God. Look at the results that it's produced in your life and see that compared so profoundly to these seeds of death. That's what I want you to see today, because that's what Peter is saying, is that there is a whole different type of seed that has been added to your life, and as a result, there's something profound that has brought rich and deep change in you. Here's the second, oh, by the way, this is why we have make it such a big deal. One of our core values relates to the value of the Word of God. It says the Bible is God's story given to transform you and to be the authority in your life. And man, we believe this to be true. We believe that the Bible is life-giving. And as a result, it actually does give us rebirth. It changes us from the inside out. The second of these phrases I wanted us to see today about God's word, the word of God has life and it gives life. The word of God has life and the word of God gives life. 
Finally today, number three, God's word helps us to grow up and to know what to avoid. Man, every one of these has been rich with, this is what the word of God, its consequence in your life looks like. God's word helps us grow up and know what to avoid. Here's the last part of our passage today. First Peter, now we move into chapter two, verse one. Let's read it together. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Man, this is a great verse in so many ways, just talking about just the incredible uh, in- engagement and the nourishment that comes from the word of God. Um, here's what I want you to see. Every time we see the word therefore, say it. We've got to ask what it's there for. Right now, what he's doing at the beginning of chapter two is saying, in light of everything I've been saying, and in chapter one, and even though Peter didn't break his letter down into chapters, in light of everything I've said so far, Here's what I want you to know. Get rid of these things. And when you look at the example of these, what I would just call fleshly fruit, right? It's the evidence of the seeds of death that were planted in our lives. When you see them, what's interesting is every one of them are how we actually live oppositely of agape love. They're all sins that happen horizontally towards people, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Those are all horizontal sins that we do towards each other, and they're the contrast of what agape love, loving one another deeply, looks like. So Peter's giving some real-life examples to that idea. And what's more is that he says, he gives them an active directive. He says they need to be laying those aside. And it demonstrates, again, that partnership that we've been talking about today. Look in your notes. There's a role that you have in the partnership the way that you walk now that you've been reborn into God's family. I want you to see that wonderful tension that on the one hand, it's not as though it's you just continuing to try harder to be more like God wants you to be, but on the other hand, it's not sitting on the couch and hoping God will zap you and you will become spiritually mature. This passage actually shows us how does that happen, and it begins with laying aside pushing away from these former deeds, these deeds of the flesh that are the opposite of agape love and instead embracing who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. The one directive that's given in this passage is that they are to crave pure spiritual milk. It's an imperative verb. It's something they're called to do. And I think of that phrase and it makes me think of, we have four kids And I think of every time that a new child was born into our home, I remember the concern that my wife had, bar none. It was always the same. Is this child getting enough nourishment, and is this newborn baby growing? Those are the two big ideas every new parent is concerned about. Is this child getting enough nourishment, and is this child growing? Now, as you think about that, that's the illustration that Peter is making here. And and while on the one hand, you can't direct a newborn to start wanting its mother's milk, Peter is actually calling us to that, though. He's calling us to say, now that we've been reborn, so get the imagery there, we are new spiritual babies. Now that we've been brought into this family of God, that's where nourishment is going to come from. 
So just like a newborn, just in the same way it is in the natural world, as a newborn child needs to have this nourishment so it can grow big and strong, so you as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, you need that same kind of nourishment. And where does it come from? What do we see again and again and again today? It comes from the word of God. I would put to you this, I would suggest that any mature Christian, I don't mean mature just because they've been a Christian for a long time, but there's been this growth in their life. Think of someone, think of some ones, I don't care how many you want to think of, think of someone who is, demonstrates just a godliness that is a model and example to you. I want to make you a guarantee, and you know I rarely ever say things this strongly, but I guarantee you if I could welcome them onto the stage one at a time, I would ask them this question, what has been one of the most significant or the significant factor in your life for you to grow and, and develop in your walk with the Lord spiritually? They would tell me to a person the word of God. They would tell me to a person the word of God. So I want you to hear that today as you process that. It's like any time we deal with people in marriage and, and we ask couples who've been married 50 years, what's the secret? And they seem to all say something like this, we don't go to bed mad. Man, when you hear that as a, a married couple today, you wanna take that to the bank. That has proven itself to be something powerful and transformative in that marriage. Why wouldn't that be true for you? If the person that you would admire spiritually would say, the word of God has been what is, God has used most to transform, not only make me reborn, but grow me up in my walk with the Lord, then why wouldn't you want to embrace that as well? And here's what I want you to hear today. I think you do theoretically know that. But there's a difference. And, and I, the way I'd use the word today is that it's an appreciation for the word of God versus a participation in the word of God. This is the example that came to my mind this week. Um, this is a picture of the Louvre Museum in Paris. And uh, this is more recent, but I remember 1994, Joanna and I were with two friends. We were newly married, two friends we were serving in Germany. We went and literally tried to do Paris in a day. Bad idea on lots of fronts. And I have more stories to tell than that I could tell. But today, this is the one I can tell you. We went to the Louvre and literally the whole goal, I don't know if we saw anything else except for just in passing, the goal was get into this room, get as close to the Mona Lisa as you can and simply say, like check the box, I saw it. And I was basically this guy right here. As soon as I saw it, I said, saw it. And you can tell it's not that big and it's under high protection. I saw it and I turned away and go, check. If you have that attitude towards the word of God, you have an appreciation for it all right, that's great. But man, think of the difference between the person who wants to sit. Maybe they're able to get in the museum an hour early, nobody's there, and they just wanna gaze upon this woman's face. They wanna study her, they want to understand what was da Vinci trying to communicate, and they want to see what's behind those eyes. You see, the person of God that we mentioned a minute ago that you appreciate and admire, when they go to the Word of God, this is what they actually believe. They believe that God can be found. They believe that he's revealed himself to them and that they can know him, and in knowing him, not just know more information about him, they actually can develop a relationship with him. 
a looking into it intently that leaves them transformed and changed because that's what the truth does. Look at this passage from James chapter uh, five, I believe, or James one. It says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not just once, hey, I know what that verse says and moving on, but I keep coming back to it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. There's an activity to it, engaging it in my life. They will be blessed in what they do. So I want you to see that that's what God's word says about God's word. And the, Peter, the reason why Peter can bring this up is he's not telling them information they didn't know. He's telling them the reason that this is true is because you have tasted that the Lord is good. You have experienced his goodness. Now I just want to encourage you, develop a, a, a craving, develop a desire to keep getting to know him through his revealed word. So our final phrase that we're looking at today about the Word of God, the Word of God has life, gives life, and nourishes life. Has life, gives life, and nourishes life. So I wanna encourage you this week, as you continue to shelter in place, would you do that? Would you consider what it means and do what it means to love one another deeply? This is our now what statement for the week. Love others deeply now that you've been reborn through God's word and are growing up in him. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come before you today as a people who can relate not only to one another but in part to Peter's readers people who are going through challenges that they didn't expect, people who are trying to figure out adjustments, people who are trying to find out how to communicate with one another, feeling isolated, feeling alone. Father, I pray that in the midst of wherever people are today that are watching this service, I pray that they would know your touch. I pray that they would know your agape love that met them at the cross. If you're listening today and you've never responded to this incredible, extravagant love that God has for you, I wanna let you know right here, right over your TV, right over your computer, right over your cell phone, you can. It begins by A, admitting that you need God, admitting that you're a sinner who needs a savior. B, believe. Believe that Jesus is the only savior available, that what he did that we celebrated last week at the cross and the empty tomb he did that for you in such a way that can cover your sin, that can pay your debt. Finally, see is choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I put my life at your feet. I surrender my control of me. I, I'm gonna stop trying to simply be moral, but I'm putting my trust in what you've already done on my behalf. You can pray a prayer to that extent today. And today, the Bible says that this rebirth, this new birth, being born again, comes to you. And I pray you wouldn't let another moment go by before you make that decision. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to assemble in this unique way, in this unique season. And we pray in Jesus' great name, amen. At the end of this service today, you're gonna to see a slide that's going to appear. It's gonna give you the opportunity to be able to pray live virtually with people in a Zoom chat. We have ministry leaders set up and ready to go. I'd encourage you, and if you just prayed to receive Jesus as your savior, man, would you get on that Zoom chat? Would you tell someone? Would you let them pray a prayer of thanksgiving and praise to God for what he's done in your life and any other need that you have? Take a moment and spend some time praying with them today.
We love you guys. We'll see you next week.